All right, I want to I want to begin today. And again, I don't have a message guide for you, and that was on purpose. I'm not doing a message guide today. We're going to begin in in Second John, and we're going to kind of travel around. Now, last week, um, I think Caleb, I think Caleb titled my message on on the internet when he uploaded it. I, I don't. I know it had the word frustration in it. Frustration and honest conversation with. And I told you guys last week that, that we were going to have an honest conversation and that I was going to share some frustrations with you. Uh, and those frustrations really center around what, what, what I witness and what I'm seeing in, in the church as a whole. And it's not just I'm frustrated with Christ Fellowship Church, that's not it. It's as a pastor in the body of Christ. I'm the pastor over this local body, but I am a pastor in the greater body of Christ. And as a pastor, and I look out over the greater body of Christ, there are a lot of things that are very frustrating about what's happening in and around the church. And remember, I said this. I said, you know, when you read the letters in the New Testament, for instance, when you read Paul's letters, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And most of the epistles or most of the letters that we have in our New Testament were written by Paul. And you see Paul writing about the things that were frustrating him. Why? Who has bewitched you, O Galatians? Why, why are you going back to the law, back to the works of the flesh? Why have you abandoned the work that was, was begun by the Spirit and, and, and through faith to go back to the law and the works of the flesh. And, or he writes and he says, Why, O Corinthians, are you behaving like mere men? Why are you guys fussing and fighting and divided? You're acting like mere men. And of course, if you, as you've gone through, those of you that have gone through the Not I But Christ Bible study, you understand that what Paul is referring to there is you guys are not mere men anymore. You have been born again, or at least that's what your confession. It's like someone getting baptized. You know when you baptize somebody, I don't care how little or how old they are, how young or how old. When you baptize someone, that doesn't guarantee that they're saved. How do we know someone's saved? Well, ultimately, you know, I can't look at you and say, well, that person's saved. I I might have real good evidence to to be able to say that. But, But really, only God knows your heart, Right? But, but the Bible, Jesus talks about fruit. You know, and we've said this before, and just in a real practical way, how do I know my peach tree's a peach tree? Because, well, the other day I went and I picked a peach off of it and I ate it. It wasn't an apple, it wasn't a lemon. It wasn't a kumquat, I don't even know what a kumquat is, but it was a peach. So when I picked the peach off my peach tree, I knew it was a peach tree, if for no other reason, because I just ate a peach off of it. And so, in the life of a believer, there should be fruit. And so, the, the Scripture lists them in Galatians 5.22. And the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. I mean, he lists these fruit. And fruit's not something we work to get put on our life. Fruit is something that is produced from within our life, right? Remember, the peach came... 
upon the peach tree because the life in the peach tree produced the fruit. Well, how is love going to come out of us? Well, the life of Christ in me is going to produce that love. And so, when we look at the body of Christ... when we think about who we are as believers, that we are in Christ, there should be something about our life that speaks to this fact. That if I am confessing with my mouth that I am in Christ, that I have come to faith in Him, there should be something about my life that matches my confession. Right? And what is it that governs? What is it that governs all of this? I mean, in a real practical way for us. How how do I know these things? How can I even get up here today and preach this message to you? How can I even get up here and share these things with you and and even halfway know that what I'm telling you is true? Well, because God has left his word for us, right? He's given us his word. So let's go to 2 John. And would you find chapter 1 of 2 John? Oh, there's only chapter 1 in 2 John. That was a trick for you guys, okay? Just seeing if y'all were tracking with me. Pastor Jeff, my Bible doesn't have anything but a chapter 1 in 2 John. Well, it's only supposed to have a chapter 1. So what I should have said, could you find chapter 3 of 2 John and waited to see what somebody was going to say. Now, now had I said that, had I said, would you turn to chapter 3 of 2 John, who would have been the first person to say, there is no chapter 3? Or would you have all just sat there and gone, man, I wonder what version of the Bible he has because mine doesn't have a chapter 3. Are you paying attention to what I'm teaching you? Are you paying attention? Are you sure that what I tell you week in and week out really lines up with this Bible? How do you know? Do you bring your Bible to church with you? Do you follow along with me? Do you do do that? How do you know that what I'm telling you is true? Or do you just, because you think I'm a great guy and I wouldn't lie to you, that you don't have to check me out? Well, I appreciate that. But you should get in the habit of checking everybody out when it comes to the Scripture. Because it's really that, I believe, I believe, it is that much, uh, it, it is a matter of that much magnitude that we take serious enough the Scripture that, that I, I'm going to make sure that what I'm being taught, even if it's you know, by the one I love the most, that it's the truth. Because the one we should all love the most isn't an earthly person, it should be God. And this isn't my word or some other preacher or theologian's word, this is God's word. And we are just earthly, fallible men who by the grace of God have been privileged to deliver and proclaim and declare this word to other men. And so in 2 John, 
Verse 4 is really where I'm going here. John says, I rejoiced greatly that I have found some of your children walking in the truth as we received commandment from the Father. Now this letter starts out, it's really kind of an interesting little letter. It's very, very short. The elder, and this is John, John referring to himself, he is the elder writing this letter, to the elect lady and her children. And There's a debate whether this is really written to a lady who is a person or whether it's written to a church. And, and there's good evidence that you could, you could go either way on this thing. Um, one thing is for certain, if it was a church that John was writing to, this church met in a home, as was very common in that day. And this is really not the topic of my conversation today, but while we're in 2 John, let me just, let me just go... Can I take a rabbit trail for just a moment? I know I don't have very many moments left, okay? Um, but while I'm here, let me just do this, because I've, I've heard people make this comment. There is a, later on in this little letter, John uh, is exhorting, and, and he's telling them, let, let's, just, let's, just, let's just read it, okay? It's only 13 verses, it's no big deal. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth. Have you known the truth? Do you know the truth? Who is the truth? Christ is the truth. Because of the truth which abides in us, and we will, and, and we will, be, with, and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I have found some of your children walking in truth as we received commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And if you read 1 John, you'll understand exactly what he's talking about here. That this is the commandment, John 13, 34, the gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And so John's writing here, he says, I'm not writing a, a new commandment, it's, it's the commandment that we receive from the Father. This is the commandment that we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. This is love that we walk according to His commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Walk in what? Walk in the commandment. Walk in love. In whose love? Your love? The world's love? No. The love of God. Specifically, the love of Christ. This Word. This God that was made flesh and dwelt among us. And became love personified. Verse 7, for many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but, have, but that we receive a full reward. Paul, I mean, John is saying here, man, I have worked, I have labored in the gospel. I have trained you guys up in the faith, in the truth. Don't begin to give heed to lies and deceptions and false doctrines. I have worked hard. I have labored hard in the gospel to establish you in the truth. Don't go giving 
heed to things that are not true. Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. So if you don't abide in the teachings of... That word doctrine means teaching. If you don't abide in the teachings of Christ, you don't have God. Because if you're not abiding in the teachings of Christ, guess who you're not abiding in? You're not abiding in Christ. And if you're abiding in the teachings of Christ, you're abiding in Christ. And if you're in Christ, you have God. You can go to John 14, study John 14, you'll kind of see, understand what, what John... See, it all connects together. This is why we really need to read and study our Bibles because this isn't some little isolated passage here. What he's writing in this second letter of his that we call his second epistle is referring directly to the things that he taught in the gospel. The very foundational things about who we are and now where we, where we find ourselves if we are in Christ. Being in the presence of the Father in John 14. So he goes on, he says, For he who greets... Verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. Now, this is, what I con- this is my rabbit trail here. I've had people say, well, you know, I don't answer the door when the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons come because the Bible says don't greet them in my house. That's not what this is talking about, okay? This is a house, this is the church. He's writing to this church in this house. Whether there's really a lady or not who owns the house is really irrelevant and beside the point. He's writing to the church here. The church that meets in this house. And what he's saying is don't answer, he's not saying don't answer the doors when the Jehovah's Witness come because if you do, you might be accursed. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, don't let false teachers come into your house church and teach the flock false doctrine. Don't let them come in. Don't greet them. Don't greet them as members of the body of Christ. Because what if they don't adhere to the teachings of Christ, they're not of God. So don't greet them as though they are of God and let them espouse false doctrine to the flock. That's what he's saying. So why don't I let the Mormon pastor come and preach here? Not that I don't love the Mormon. I don't even know the Mormon pastor. I, it's not that I don't love him. I don't let him come and preach here because he espouses a doctrine that is not of Christ. And the Bible says, don't let false teachers come and teach and Put out false doctrine to your flock, pastors. That's what he's saying. So if anybody was ever afraid to let the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you have ever been afraid to open the door to them and have a conversation and just share Jesus with them, don't be, okay? But now we'll say this. If you are so weak in your faith that you're going to get sucked into a lie, then you, you, better, you better start building yourself up and get to know why you believe what you profess to believe, okay? Well, that was, that was kind of a little rabbit trail there. But here's the point of verse 4. John says, I rejoiced because I met some of your children who are walking in the truth. 
And what I want to, you know, my point of today of talking about some of the things that, that I'm going to talk about in a very short period of time. What, what was Paul, what was John's rejoicing over? What did he find joy in? He found joy in the fact that he found believers who came from this other church, who probably, ultimately, that church was planted by John, and John probably established the elders over that church, and what John was saw was kind of like a grandpa. He said, hey, I met some of your children. I met some of the children, and I rejoiced. I was filled with so much joy because they are walking in the truth. They are walking according to the doctrine of Christ. They know Christ. They know the truth. And it just caused joy to fill my heart when I encountered them. Now here's my, this goes back, the point of this is what my frustration was last week that I shared with you. That we need to be a body. When I say a body, I'm not just talking about Christ fellowship. We need to be a body. The, The body of Christ needs to be a people that love truth. Jude says, contend for the faith. It doesn't mean be contentious or be divisive, but he says, let's contend for the faith. You know, as Caleb uh, shared, we we went to this this class, and I can't even begin to tell you. uh, It was probably, I, I you know, I went, I went to high school. I went five years to the University of Texas, and I had some really cool classes at the University of Texas. I had a Middle Eastern Studies class that was just phenomenal. But I'm going to tell you what, I have never sat in on a class that just, it was just, it was phenomenal. It was amazing. It really was. And what it did more than anything, now now Spencer came in this morning, he said, Dad, are you applying some of the things? And I said, no, can't do it. I mean, what I, I I, I really can't because I I don't have the tools to do it. I didn't learn Greek, I can't speak to you in Greek, can't talk to you in Greek, can't read Greek. You know, I know the Greek alphabet, but, but that's not the point. You know, it's like a beginning. But, but here's what it did. It, it, right now, it, it affirmed so much that was in my heart about the value of this word. How many of you guys like old things? I like old things. I mean, I love going to like a garage sale or Goodwill and trying to find something old. You know, I just, I've got a house full of old things. You know, I like all my mom's old things, you know. I got so many old things, I don't have any place to put them. I got them just stacked and stored and it's like, and sometimes I think, what what am I going to do with all this stuff? You know, I don't even have any place to put it, you know, but it's so cool. I can't part with it, (laughs) you know. It was my mama's and it was my grandmama's, you know, and I'm so, I'm, and so one of the things that, you know, if you find, an, have you ever found an old book? It's like, man, look at this book. Look how old it is. You know, I'll, I'll begin to think, man, look, this book is dated, you know, 1898. I wonder who read this book. And I think, do you know what we have? It's not just an old book. But do you realize that we have a book? Now listen to me. This is really amazing. And I've never really thought about this. Do you know that we have a book 
that records the very first word ever spoken by anyone. We do. God spoke the very first word ever spoken. And we've got the book that records it. But see, we don't think about the Bible that way. We don't think about the Bible that way because we don't really think about God properly. We have, I mean, this room, I guarantee you, this room is full of different concepts of who God is. Now, I'm not saying you guys are all like pagans, okay? I'm not calling you pagans. But I am saying this. We, we really do have our individual concepts, unspoken understanding of who God is. All of us do. And I'm not saying that, that, that we're ever gonna, that's ever going to change, okay? But, but here's what I am saying. Even in our uniqueness, is our understanding of who God is rooted and grounded and founded on what He, he has declared? Not, not, what, not what I think, but what He has declared. And there is a reason God has preserved His spoken words into written form, we call the Bible. And it is so that we can know Him. And so John is rejoicing. Why? Because... He found children walking in the truth. Paul is writing letters and he's frustrated because he sees children that should be walking in the truth still walking in and living out of a lie. And as a good father, Paul's a good father. God is a good father. John was a good father. As any good father would do when they look at their children and they see their children going down a path whose end is destruction, that father brings them, even even when it's an unpleasant thing, even when it may be a painful thing, even when it may be a challenging thing, a good father brings them back to the right path, the right place. What is the right path? Who determines what path is right? Well, Oprah says all paths lead to God. She didn't coin that phrase, but... And a lot of people say that, you know? The Buddhists say that. You know what a Buddhist is, right? If you're a Buddhist, you can believe anything, everything and nothing all at the same time. And that's really the truth. Buddhists believe everything and nothing all at the same time. I'm not belittling Buddhists. I'm just telling you. What, what, who is God? What's our concept? How, how are we going to determine which path is right? Well, Jesus said, I am, I am the path. I am the way. There is no other. I am the door. There are other doors, but I am the door that leads to eternal life. There are other paths, but I am the path that is the truth and is the life. That's who I am. 
And so let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. I know y'all, right now you guys are panicking. Because I, I, I'm just, this is only the second scripture that I was going to share with you today. All the other ones I shared, I really wasn't even planning on it, or at least not in the order I have. But, but don't worry, I'm not going to, really, I'm not going to like keep you here till 1 o'clock. <laughs> that doesn't bring much comfort to you, does it? <laughs> but I do want to share this, Hebrews chapter 1. God, verse 1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers, how? By the prophets. Has in these last days spoken to us by His Son. How is God speaking to us today? The writer of Hebrews says in days past, God spoke to the prophets. He spoke to us through the prophets. And all those prophets are recorded here. They're in our Bible. But he says, in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Well, who is? Who is the Son? Now let's go to John chapter 1. Who is the Son? Oh, while you're turning to John chapter 1, let me, let me read a little bit farther there in Hebrews, okay? While you're making your way to John 1.1. 1, 1. He's, he's spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things. Remember that scripture in Colossians? By Him, how many things were created? All things. He is the heir of most things. No, all things. Through whom also He... He, the Son, the Son, He made the worlds. Who being the brightness of His glory. Actually, what this says, who being the brightness of glory. Who is the glory? God is the glory. Where is the glory of God known and seen? 2 Corinthians 4, 6, in the face of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is the brightness of the glory of God. And He is the express image of His person. Jesus said that, like this, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Not because we have the same color hair. Not because we have the same color eyes. No, because Christ is the express image of the Father of glory. And look at this. And upholding how many things? All things. And upholding all things. By what? By the word of His power. Is God still speaking today? Oh, you better believe He is. And He is upholding all things. How? By the word of of his power. He better not stop speaking. Because you know what would happen if he stopped speaking? Colossians says this. In him all things consist. That's an English word consist. But, but what that word really means. In him all things hold together. What do you mean? In him all things hold together. Well here's the way I like to say it. He's holding everything together. 
By what? By the word of his power. And some people say, well, God doesn't speak to, to us anymore today. You know, he stopped doing that when the last apostle died. Oh, really? You better hope he didn't. Otherwise, this world, this, this ball we're living on right now will fly into a jillion, billion pieces because the scripture says that he is holding all things together and by him he upholds all things by the word of his power. Who is the God you trust in? Who is the God you trust in? Do you know do you know that it is the God who is upholding all things by the word of his power? Do you know that it is the God which is holding all things together? Do you really think he's not aware of our circumstances? Do you really think there's any part of our life that's outside of his control, outside of his knowledge? No. Does that scare you or does that cause you to trust him? Well, that's a legitimate question. Because depending on whether you know him or not and how you know him, that could scare you or it could bring you great peace and great comfort. And I tell you what God wants to do. He wants you to know him so that that will bring you the peace and the comfort that he wants to provide for you. Now, John 1.1. 1, 1. This son who is upholding all things by the word of his power. Who is he? In the beginning was the word. This is kind of cool when we took this class. This was one of the verses that we kind of took apart. And, 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 and the, the teacher, he said, you know, he, he believed this in the beginning in John 1.1 1, 1 referred back to in the beginning in Genesis, and I absolutely agree. Because the reality is, if, if we don't believe this at the very front of our Bible, in the beginning, God created. If we don't believe that, it is going to affect everything else that we believe. In the beginning, God created. How did God create in the beginning? God said, God spoke, let there be light. God spoke a word and it came into existence. It manifest. John says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. God said also in the beginning, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The Jews believe that God's talking to the angels. No. It is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in perfect unity, in perfect community, saying, let us. And specifically, who is the us? Who is the one in that triune fellowship that made all things? Well, Hebrews and Colossians tells us. Here's the commentary to Genesis 1, found in Hebrews and found in Colossians. Jesus Christ was the specific person of the us that made all things. Through Him and for Him, all things were made. 
In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word is upholding all things by its power. And that Word is holding all things together. In Him, in this Word that was with God in the beginning, in this Word, verse 14 of John chapter 1, in this Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, all things are held together. Do you see your life, church, held together by this Word, by this God? Or do you see your life right now spinning out of control and coming apart at the seams? It may seem like it is. For a husband who is believing for his wife that's had cancer pronounced over her, can you see where it could be that that in his eyes his life is spinning apart at the seams? Or for for the mother who has four children and her husband just walked out on her and has left her for no apparent reason, doesn't even matter whether he had a reason or not. Can you see where it may seem like her life is spinning apart at the seams? But here is, here is the thing that stands above, that is preeminent over and above all things. It is this word. Not not just this written word. It is what this written word, it is who this written word speaks of. It is The Word, the living Word, Christ, the Lord of glory. And when it seems like our life is spinning out of control, the Word speaks to us and the Word says, No, for I am upholding all things by the Word of my power. No, in me, All things are held together. And then God asks us a question. Are we going to walk by faith? Are we going to trust in the truth that declares He truly is holding all things together? Are we going to walk by sight and focus on the things that seem to be flying apart at the seams. This is the challenge that is before all of us every day. Whether you have a very major circumstance in your life or whether compared to your loved one dying of cancer, you say, you know, I'll take my problem right now. But but see, it's unwise to compare ourselves to one another because God is just as concerned about the husband who is believing for his wife's healing. He's just as concerned about that or he's just as concerned about your issue that might not be that. He really is. Because... Regardless of where we're at, guess what, church? 
The question is, are we trusting that in Him all things are being held together? Are we trusting that that it is by His Word, it is by the Word that He has upheld all things by His power? And He is upholding all things by His power. When John, when John encountered those disciples, he rejoiced because he found children who are walking in the truth. And it doesn't take very much effort at all to read the history of the early church to understand what many of these believers were experiencing. That doesn't mean that everything in their life was hunky-dory. Because it wasn't. But it meant, it meant that they were grounded in the truth. And they were living according to that truth. And even when it seemed like the world around them might have been spinning apart, they were trusting in a God who has declared by His word, in me all things are held together. That is the God we worship. That is the God that has saved us. That is the God that has preserved and delivered His Word to us. Fall in love with this Word. Fall in love with the Word. And find your hope and put your trust in a God that is upholding all things by the Word of His power. Amen? Let's all stand.